oftentimes some of you look around at your environment and community and think that you will never make it i say keep fighting keep dusting yourself off and working hard for what you want i say to always set your goals and to chase hard after them you are the master of your fate work hard and love well Hello, and welcome to Letters from the Lunchroom, a podcast by Communities and Schools of Mid-America. I'm your host, Victoria Partridge. Communities and Schools is a nationwide nonprofit which connects students and their families to local resources in order to remove barriers so that they will have greater success in school and in life. During this podcast, we talk to people who have a relationship with our organization. From students to staff members and alumni to volunteers, we know that people who connect with nonprofits have a story that led them there, and we want to know that story. Stay tuned as we head into the lunchroom with today's guest, Lachelle Nichols, CIS Site Coordinator at Southeast High School in Kansas City, Missouri. Hi, and welcome to the lunchroom, Michelle. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I am doing quite well. Um, we're recording on a Thursday, and I am super glad that tomorrow is a TGIF. So, um, right. yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's been it's a short week because we're also recording this during Labor Day week. Um, but sometimes those shorter weeks feel like longer weeks. And Always yeah, this, is like longer those, weeks. <laughs> this is one of those circumstances. So, yeah. Um, but recording this podcast is one of my favorite things that I get to do as part of my job. And I am very excited to talk to you today to learn about your story and to hear how you got um, connected with communities and schools. So to start all of that off, would you please just take a moment and introduce yourself to our listening audience? Absolutely. Well, again, my name is Lachelle Nichols and I am the site coordinator at Southeast High School in Kansas City, Missouri. It's part of the Kansas City Public Schools um, and I'm really excited to be able to um, sit down and talk to you today for a little bit. Yay. So how long have you been a site coordinator over there at Southeast High? Yeah, so this is um, the start of my second year here at Southeast High School. And what a year it's been already. <laughs> We've only about six weeks into school and it's it's been quite a head turner already. Oh, my goodness. Um, so... Were you the first site coordinator at that school, first CIS site coordinator anyways? No, there was one that was there for a couple of months um, when during Kansas City's first year of, of operation, they was there. And then I started in August of the last school year. Oh, okay. Well, welcome to your second year. I know that um, from my experience, the second year is always the, like, the better year, even though you did say your second year is starting off kind of crazy, but maybe it'll uh, get all the wildness out at the front end and then the rest of it will just go really smoothly. I think that um, this year, definitely with some of the things that our school have been through, um, it's shaping up to be a marvelous year um, full of a lot of uh, good things and um, a lot of growth, I, I think, is going to happen here at Southeast High School. So I'm definitely excited for this year. Well, awesome. Um, I definitely want to go into some more detail about your plans for this year. But before that, I want to start at the beginning. And I'd like to know, how did you first hear about communities and schools? 
Right. So um, I actually lived in North Carolina for a couple of years as I was finishing up my second master's degree in adult education um, with a concentration in higher education. And so coming out of that um, degree program, I actually got a position working with TRIO um, and I worked for one of the programs called Talent Search, which put me in a middle school and a high school of Thomasville, North Carolina. While I was there working as the student advisor for the TRIO Talent Search program, I met um, a lady who was the site coordinator there for communities and schools in the middle school at Thomasville. And that is how I was introduced to communities and schools. And we actually worked very closely together for that year that I was there in the Thomasville school system. And we did a lot of programs together. We did a lot of events together. Um, we did a lot of laughing together, a lot of crying together over our, some of our students. And so um, that was kind of how I was um introduced to communities and schools and upon me moving back to Kansas City, um, she happened to say, hey, you know, I was looking at um, the, some of the websites and they look like they have a position open um, at Southeast High School. And I was like, wow, like that's the district that I graduated from. I am a proud alum of KCPS. So I was like, that's awesome. Like I should totally apply. And so I applied. And next thing you know, I was in interviews, interview with the principal, and here I am. So that's really my introduction to communities and schools and how I got here. Uh, whoa. And also, did you say that you were finishing your second master's degree? At the time, I was. I'm actually working on my PhD now. I don't know what, I, what got into me, but <laughs> I know. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So awesome. Um, so to be honest, like getting my PhD is on my bucket list. Mm -hmm. I have a master's degree and I, I just keep finding reasons not to get my PhD right now. So it's sort of like my retirement plan or, <laughs> um, like, you know, whenever I actually have like a lot of extra time. So I am so, so wildly impressed. Um, this is why I love this podcast because I get to learn all these really cool things about people that, I just like it. I never knew because you and I met um, during our summer engagement conference yeah. and just briefly talked about being on the podcast and mostly just talked like a lot of business stuff. And even though this is a work related podcast, I get to know people at a, on a personal level. And I love yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, cool. um, so, oh my gosh. Okay. Well, uh, okay. Before I finish the, uh, the education talk, what are you getting your PhD in? Higher education administration. So, um, I, I guess if my, if I had an ultimate dream job, it would be to be a vice chancellor of student affairs. So student affairs encompasses student activities, um, the career center, student health center, residence life, um, the, just a combination of all those student services outside of the academic pieces is kind of what student affairs is. And so I see myself definitely being, um, a person that's a vice chancellor in charge of that on a campus or a university or even a community college. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so you clearly have a lot of passion for education, a lot of respect for education, and also a lot of interest for working with students and helping them succeed and get involved. Um, and so I'm kind of curious, what drew you into that line of work in the first place? Because you were, before you were working with communities and schools, you were working with TRIO and your degrees are in these sort of similar fields. So what was it in your life that pointed you towards 
this area of interest? Yeah, so my bachelor's degree is actually in engineering, and I did that for a little while, and it was okay. Um, but my mom worked at a college campus. So growing up, I was always on the campus of University of Missouri, Kansas City, and I was little Augusta, and everybody knew who I was. And so um, that just felt like home for me. And so when I was thinking about going back to school and then moving to go to North Carolina, I was thinking of what is something that I wanted to do. And I initially wanted to be like a school principal, but I had never taught. I didn't, I wasn't certified. So I knew that going into the secondary level wasn't going to be uh, my in route there. And so uh, I started looking around. I found this program, a master's program in adult education, the concentration in higher ed. And so I started taking my classes and once I got into my classes, then began really just the love that I found myself having for um, the, the education system outside of what um, I knew it to be growing up and then going to school for the sciences. Because, um, you know, the STEMs are completely different than education. In education, you're allowed to have philosophies. You're allowed to have a philosophy that guides your work and your principles and your principles of belief is a big part of you as an educator. And so I really fell in love with this idea and this idea of being a change agent um, in someone's life and in a community. Um, and so as I started talking through some of those things with some of my professors and my mentors, um, someone said, Hey, you know, you should really do your practicum in the trio program. And so I knew what trio was, but I didn't outside of it being upper bound, I had no idea really what it was. Um, and so I knew that it was, um, the, the first generation, low income and underrepresented students, but I didn't realize that it reached all the way down to middle school. So talent search can go from sixth grade to 12th grade. So I'm working with a wide variety of ages and personality types. And I just fell in love there in the middle school and the high school because I related to them um, so much. And I could tell my story. And through my story, I was able to help a lot of them. And so that's where I knew that, you know, I needed to stay somewhere in this part of education where I wasn't necessarily an academic teacher and I wasn't in the classroom. But, you know, education is a lifelong learning thing and you can learn anything from anyone anywhere. And so that's how I got to this conclusion that, you know, I love this idea of communities and schools and everything that it means. And so when I moved, I jumped right on it and I was like, yeah, I want to be a part of it. So it's kind of, that's perfect. Um, so number one, you are brilliant. Like I'm so blown away. Um, not that I didn't assume that you were brilliant, but just, I'm, 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 I'm almost intimidated. <laughs> I'm just like, holy cow. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, and maybe you and I can talk more about that offline because I am just really, really also intrigued. Cause like I said, a PhD is on my bucket list and you like, you have a degree in engineering and you're like, yeah, that was fine. And I'm like, I'm engineering. <laughs> That's intense. Yes, it was. Um, <laughs> So cool. Um, but one of the things that you said uh, that I'd like for you to go into more detail is that you mentioned that you would tell your story to your students in order to um, 
connect with them and to relate to them. And so I'm curious, what is that story that you told to your students? So Thomasville, North Carolina um, is close to High Point and it is known for furniture capital of America. Like there's furniture warehouses everywhere, or at least there were. And in the 90s, a lot of them closed. And so a lot of my students found themselves, um, well, their families found themselves in dire straits. People had lost their jobs and you're working for factories for years. And so then what? Like a lot of them didn't go to school. And so uh, a lot of my students' families couldn't take care of them, gave them up for adoption or placed them in the system. I have other family. I had other students who, you know, were basically raising their younger siblings. Mom and dad were maybe in and out of being incarcerated or really just not in the picture. And so a lot of them had to step up and take uh, take over those roles. And one of the amazing things that I loved about working at Thomasville is that the high school and the middle school were side by side. And so I would spend two days at the high school, two days at the middle school, and I would split my Friday. And I could connect with brothers and sisters and siblings and be able to really, um, really be able to impact that area around me just by telling my story. And um, my story is I'm adopted. And so I, I know what it's like to be um to feel like you're not wanted. I know what it's like to feel like you're not loved. I know what it's like to feel like the, the very people who should have your back don't um, because my parents gave me up. And to be honest, when you were younger, that's your, the, the reason behind it is not a concept that you're really thinking about it. Um, you're young. All you know is all your friends are with their mommies and their daddies or their grandmas, grandpas, uncles, and aunties, and you are not. And you want to know what you did. Were you not good enough? Um, you know, so really being able to relate to a lot of my students on that level of, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from. <laughs> it just matters where you're going and how you get there. And so really just opening up and being transparent about my life and some of the things that I went through in my life um, and had the roads that I took to get to where I am um, always led to really good conversations with my students and sometimes even their family members. You know, parents sometimes would come in and say, hey, you know, my son or daughter had a conversation with me and they said that you said, and I want to figure out how to make this work better or I need extra help figuring out how to do this or how to do that. And it really allowed me to be able to be the change agent that I always wanted to be in people's lives outside of, you know, being a classroom teacher. You've said that phrase a couple of times, um, change agent. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely love that. Um, I love that that's how you identify yourself. I love that that is how you, um, uh, sort of uh, streamline your focus and your purpose. Um, and it makes a lot of sense as I learned more and more about you in our conversation, you know, as it gets started. Um, so as you are moving into the second year of um, your CIS site coordinator role at Southeast High School, what are some of the ways in which you are looking forward to providing supports for students? Yeah, um, so I'm excited. Like, let me start by saying that. Go Southeast Knights, always. Um, but so our school goal this year is attendance. And so some of the things that um, we are doing to encourage and promote attendance is the things that I look forward to the most. Um, actually, tomorrow I'm having our first 100 um, percent attendance 
uh, feast, we call it. And so it's going to be a luau or it's luau themed. And so um, if you have 100% attendance from the day school started up till last Friday with zero tardies, you get to come and you can bring your lunch down and we're going to have fruit trays. We're going to have food there. We're going to lay every student that comes in. There's going to be music playing and uh, might be able to do a little limbo. I have no idea if that's Hawaiian or not, but it's going to be Hawaiian on tomorrow. <laughs> Grass skirts all around the tables. Like we're just going to have a good time. Um, so that's one of the things that we're going to do. Also, we have these quarterly attendance outcomes that, that we're doing. And so one of them is I'm having a big, massive block party. And so it's called the 90s block party. And so you have to have 90% attendance or higher to be able to come to our 90s theme block party. And we got a lot of cool people in the community coming out to represent and to hang out with our scholars, which I think is amazing. Some of the things that I'm trying to do is just implement small pockets of things around the building. Um, so I will have a, a CIS crew, as I call them, this year. And the CIS crew is basically going to be made up of uh, caseload students who A, need community service, but B, um, get to be a leaders in their schools and help out in the school in ways that they otherwise may not be seen by other adults in the building. So any events that we're doing, they get to help run, they help to get planned. I ask them for feedback. I ask them for what are the things they want to do. Um, so we will have meetings. And so I'm really, really excited to get really the input and the feedback of our students because at the end of the day, our scholars are what matter and that's who we're here for. So I'm really excited about the CIS crew this year. Um, I'm also doing uh, partnering, I've been partnering with City Union Mission uh, which is the locally in our area, really to make sure that we get those basic needs out to our students. They came and stocked uh, our food pantry. They're actually bringing by, I think, water bottles and backpacks and some other things, uh, other items for our students uh, tomorrow. And so really just uh, partnering with other outside community resources, partnering with our school counselors and our school social worker. I'm excited. And even restorative justice. We have restorative justice in our school and it's there full time, really just to give the resources and um, the uh, re just not not only the resources, but the skills and the attributes that our scholars need to to make it past this next part. Um, make it past high school and move into this next part of our life of their lives um because it get it gets a little rough in our neck of the woods in kansas city sometimes and so um we are all uh well we all were reminded a couple of weeks ago of that as we lost a student to gun violence and so um making sure that our students are equipped with the skill set to 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 either a deal with grief or to um deal with small uh, conflict management resolution, stuff like that, um, how to get a job, how to write a resume, um, how to dress professionally. All these things are so important in our school because we want our students to be ready for when they leave us um, because it's, it's hard out here for, for some of them. A, a lot of them, it's really hard. And when they leave our school building, you know, uh, their life is 100% different than what it is in school safety becomes an issue for some of them. Um, their next meal is an issue for some of them, where they're going to sleep, where they're going to lay their head. Um, they're battling some really tough things in our building. And so um, just really making sure that we love on them and we love them well while they're here is really one of my main focuses. And I, I'll be honest that it didn't really become evident or apparent to me until we lost our student a couple of, um, a couple of weeks ago, because I had a student say to me, well, y'all hold on too tight. <laughs> she had gotten in trouble and she was like, y'all hold on too tight. And I 
thinking because the moment we let you go, we don't know. Um, so from seeing him at school that day to getting a text message at 1030 at night that he was gone, this is our reality. And it's sad because we lost a student one week. I think the week before that, there was another high school in our district that lost a student to gun violence. And so this is happening. There's an epidemic in our city and um, definitely needs to be addressed. And we need to equip our students with how to handle that and how to live through that. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's that's the greatest challenge that you face in your school? Um, I would say as a whole, maybe the greatest challenge that I face in our school is the generational curses of the community because they manifest themselves in different ways, um, whether it be, you know, gang violence or gun violence or um, low income uh, that these these scholars are seeing their parents go through these cycles and some of them are getting wrapped up in them. And we fight so hard every day to, to do our best to keep them out of being um, in this cycle, in this generational curse. And so, yeah, that's that's one of the big challenges. I would say maybe generational curses is a big challenge in our school um, and community curses, just kind of really breaking away from that and giving them a chance and the skill set to go beyond that and to really come back and be change agents in their own communities um, is definitely a big challenge for us. So um, as we sort of wrap up the first part of this episode, one of the things that I would really love to hear from you is your favorite success story. So thinking of all of the students that you've worked with, do you mind sharing something that's really touched with touched you or stuck with stuck with you over the time? Yeah. Um, so last year, I want to say it was actually before school even started. It was the week before school started and, you know, everybody's back in the building and our sergeant of security, our head of security, um, had met me and asked me what my position was and what I was doing. And I, you know, of course, explained to him what community schools were. And he said, oh, I have a student that I think that you, you know, could really benefit from you and your services. So he told me the student's name, told me a little bit about the student. I was like, okay, I'm going to be honest. I was scared out of my mind, right? Because it's year one. I'm not even day one into being in with the students and I already have a referral. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, what have I got myself into? Um, but it took maybe about a week. Uh, so a week of school had went by and I met this young man and he was a senior and probably one of the most vibrant people I've ever met. And when I say vibrant, I mean in all senses of the words. He had no qualms with telling you how he felt or exactly what he was thinking when he was thinking it. Um, he uh, was is so lovable, like, you know, just always would come by and say, you know, hey, Miss Eagles, how are you doing? But I just was scared because, you know, he came with a lot of issues. People would say that he had a temper, that he would get mad. Um, and when he got mad or had a temper, it was hard to calm him down. Um, just a really messed up home life. You know, he had a twin brother who wasn't doing well in school. And this young man had been um, in juvenile detention center himself. Like it just was a lot. But upon meeting him, um, we clicked instantly and he became like my little baby in school. And that's why I would call him. And so when I would get radios for him, I'd be like, little baby, what are you doing? Oh, mm-hmm. man, Miss Nichols, I'm not a little baby. I'm a grown baby. Oh, OK, well, <laughs> little baby, what you doing? Like, you know, just <laughs> that he 
would come by every day. Hey, Miss Nichols, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Miss Nichols, can I have a snack? He loved mandarin oranges. And so if I did not have mandarin oranges in my office somewhere, he would go tell me about myself and how I was not loyal. Just <laughs> loyal, right? That's not okay in community. So I had to always make sure I had the mandarin oranges. And so he would come by before lunch, his mandarin oranges, his noodle packet, and his hot sauce every day. Um, and sometimes he would bring his work down and he would sit. Um, but I think the greatest thing about him is he had every odd against him when I met him. Um, every odd of not being able to make it to graduation, being credit short, having to do uh, credit recovery in a store lab um, to us at the last minute trying to finish his, his online work. And um, it... I don't know. It was just amazing to see that transformation of who he was when I met him and, and how he has grown throughout the year. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about him, I loved about him is he knew when I was off mm -hmm. and um, he would come in and be like, Miss Nichols, what's wrong? And I say nothing. Miss Nichols, what's wrong? Nothing. I'm OK. OK, well, I'm going to be back. And so um, he would come back maybe a couple hours later and be like, Miss Nichols, what's wrong? And I'm like, nothing. It's OK. I'm, I'm fine. And he'll be like, no, little baby, what's wrong? I'm not a little baby. You're a little baby. And so it was just uh, we, we really were able to build that relationship with one another. And he ended up graduating and um, he ended up going to work and he's getting ready to go start school. And he's doing so good. And I'll just never forget that that night of graduation that I cried when he crossed the stage. I did. And then I went to go give him a hug later that day. And I whispered in his ear and I said, I'm so proud of you, little baby. And it's the one time that he did not, he didn't fight me on calling him little baby. He just took it and gave me the biggest hug back. And uh, to this day, we still talk. Um, and I unfortunately probably will never <laughs> be rid of this young man. He's probably always going to be in my life and that is okay. And I wouldn't have it any other way, but definitely seeing him struggle with, you know, parents who were in and out of his life, um, a grandparent who had adopted him that would get the money for him, but he would never see any of it. This, this kid would go hungry. Um, he didn't, he wouldn't always have the things that he needed for school. Um, and when I say things, I mean, basic needs, like he would ask me for deodorant and, and, and body wash and all the things. And, you know, just this, this, this kid who has to suffer through so much just to make it every day and who countless times said he's not going to make it. He wants to give up. Um, to not giving up, to making it to graduation. And here we are post-graduation and he's still doing really well. Um, is probably, and the fact that he was my first, it was my first mm -hmm. year, first student is definitely a success story. And I am really excited to see um, the rest of his story and what he writes and what he makes of himself. Oh, I love that. That is an awesome way to wrap up the first part of this episode. So we're going to take a quick break and then we will be back with a second serving of Letters from the Lunchroom. So stay tuned. Welcome back. As part of our show, we ask each guest to write a letter to the students that communities and schools serves. The only guideline they're given is that it must come from the heart. We also warn them that they will be asked to read their letter aloud during the podcast. Michelle, are you ready to read your letter? Yes, I am. Please go ahead then. To my wonderful scholars at Southeast High School, 
As I write this letter, I can't help but to think about how amazing each and every one of you are. Each of you have some unique pieces and qualities that you bring to make Southeast the amazing school that it is. I want each and every one of you to know that you are loved, you matter, and that you are destined for great things. Oftentimes, some of you look around at your environment and community and think that you will never make it. I say keep fighting, keep dusting yourself off and working hard for what you want. I say to always set your goals and to chase hard after them. You are the master of your fate. Work hard and love well. Make sure you do everything in your power to always do the right thing. Stay encouraged, stay in school, and pay attention. Mostly, stay close to those around you that love and care for you. I encourage each and every one of you to be change agents in your schools, your families, and your communities. I charge you all to be role models to those that are younger than you who look up to you and are always so excited to see you. I challenge you to be a driving force to ending violence in your community and in your neighborhoods. I challenge you to take back your communities and your neighborhoods and to make great things of yourself and those that come out of it. Lastly, I want you to be proud that you are a mighty night of Southeast High School where standards do matter, scholars are molded, and success is modeled. You hold the key to your bright futures and I cannot wait to see the things that you do in your life. Love your site coordinator, Michelle Nichols. Yay. So whenever you read that out loud, how did you feel? I almost cried. <laughs> I, I think because I, I had a hard time writing it. Um, yeah. Because I, so I kind of was upset that I ended up having to reschedule the first time or I didn't get back to you because all the things that were happening. And then I was kind of happy because so much of what is shaping me right now is a product of what happened to Xavier Hall who was the young man who was shot and killed and really just watching, uh, sorry, I'm getting emotional. Just watching our school go through that, watching our students not know how to deal with grief, watching the freshmen who had no idea what was happening, just be freshmen, but know enough to know that big brothers and big sisters weren't playing with them on that day. And so they just, you know, just was chilling. They didn't do their freshman like things like running up and down the hallways and you know, the things that freshmen do and then just walking around and, watching our staff have a hard time. I mean, I walked into my office and one of the security guards had broken down and just really trying to fight to be a light space for our students, even though we're in dark spaces right now. It's hard to mm -hmm. lose a student like that. And I didn't know what to write. I felt like at first my letter was filled so much with, you know, just... I guess remnants of dealing with that. But at the same time, I realized, I said, you know, we talk about communities and schools with so much of the hashtag keeping kids in school, getting them to graduation. And I think that for a lot of people, they don't realize that for Kansas City in the inner city, it's graduation is great, but it's our hashtag is getting them to the next day. We want them to come back to us because they don't always. And as much as, you know, I would like to say that it's taboo that we have a student that passed away like that. It's not. Just last year, we had a student who was not, it wasn't our student, but in the district was shot and killed right outside of Central High School during a basketball game between Central and Southeast. A lot of our students do it. Like, it, the violence piece is so heavy in our community and in our district right now. And it's just, 
it's, it's, it's really a driving force to to what I do every day. And sometimes those days that I don't wake up and I don't feel like doing it. Like today when I can't read those <laughs> and I go, in, I go anyway because they need to stay, they need to have a somewhat hug them. They need to have, because a lot of them don't get that. They need to have uh, someone mm-hmm. who tells them about themselves when they need to be told about themselves because sometimes parents are so busy they don't even try to make ends meet that they don't even notice and realize when things are happening. But, you know, it's just it's just been really, really hard. And so it was hard to write that letter and it not be so heavily focused or my lens to be what had just happened at our school. So to read that and to realize that I still was able to embody some of that, but it's just, it's it's crazy to hear myself read a letter to my students, knowing that, you know, for a lot of them, we would love for things to be different for them, but for a lot of them, it's just not going to change. And then trying to do one thing at a time and, you know, pacing yourselves and 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 recognizing that you're not going to be able to help everybody. And being okay with that and, and, and not allowing it to um, overcome you or you to dwell in that. And then taking those days that you need, those self-care days are hard. It's really, really hard. Like, I sometimes, like, hate when we have to have, like, our team meetings and we have to leave our school. So I'm like, I can't leave my school for a day. Like, right. do you know the chaos that can happen? Like. <laughs> But yeah, it was just really, it's, yeah, that's the first time I've ever done anything like that. So I think it was just a little emotional trying to get through it. And then you look back and it's like, dang, these things I should have said, but I didn't say it. Yeah. I appreciate you being so vulnerable and open because there are people who listen to this podcast who are learning about communities and schools for the first time and who are learning about what our site coordinators do. And I think that it's really critical for people to realize the scope of the work that site coordinators are doing in the schools and that it's it's more than um, what we started talking about with attendance and that is important and ensuring that students have basic needs which is also important but sometimes what we're doing is hard to put into a pamphlet that showcases the scope of our work you know because it's providing a shoulder to cry on or a hug or connecting students with grief counseling or just showing up and being alongside this family that is within your community to be together in difficult times. And we, as an agency, Communities and Schools of Mid-America, we ask our site coordinators to do that every day. And um, we respect the work that our site coordinators do and, um, I, I think I tell every site coordinator that I talk to on the podcast, thank you. And it, I hope that every single person knows that I'm being genuine, that I'm truly impressed and grateful for the work that you guys are doing because these students need, they need us. And um, thankfully it's not always in these specific times where your school community is grieving, <clears throat> but I'm grateful for us being available for whatever happens. And, um, you know, thank you, Michelle, for for being there and for continuing to be strong, but also please do take care of yourself. (laughs) Because if you don't take care of yourself, then you can't take care of others. That's what I always tell people. Exactly. (sighs) Um, Exactly. No, that's okay. (laughs) Um, So 
I want to I want to do something um, a little different before we we wrap up the second portion of um, this episode, and then we'll move into the the final portion. Um, but uh, if you if you don't mind, I'd like to just take a moment of silence for the student that you lost at Southeast High School. His name is Xavier Hall. Um, okay, so we're just going to yes. take a moment of silence, and then we will take a break. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back. Okay, we are back for our final portion of this episode, and this is the extra credit questions. Are you ready for a couple of questions before we let you go, Lachelle? Give up to me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> number one, what is one of your favorite parts about being a CIS site coordinator? Uh, one of my favorite parts about being a coordinator is really the fact that I am in the school all day, every day with them because it allows me to get to know my scholars. Like I get to know your name and then I get to holler your name down the hallway and you do with something and then you turn around and you get embarrassed and you run around and then you run away from me. Like it's building those relationships. Like I love the fact that I'm there all day, every day. I'm not at any other school. I am at Southeast High School. I am theirs, they are mine. And I just love that because so oftentimes we see these resources that come into schools, but they're not necessarily there all day. They're mm -hmm. not necessarily ingrained in the school and my school has done an amazing job is at making me a part of their family like i am a part of the southeast family communities and schools is a part of the southeast family and so that is one of my favorite things about that is just being there all day and being a part of the family because it allows me to be a lot more effective at mm -hmm. the things that i do fantastic so um if you could change just one thing about your job what would you change what thing could I change? Oh, that's different. What if I could change? Ah, <laughs> uh, ooh, people may not like this, but the data piece, my goodness. Oh, um, I respect. <laughs> I respect. It is so hard to reflect all the things that we do in data. Mm -hmm. I don't care what system it is or what system it will be. It is so hard to reflect everything that we do. It is hard to write down every single encounter that I have with every student to make sure I put it in, to do the data. Like that piece is probably the piece that I, ugh. Mm -hmm. But I, it's necessary, and I know that it's necessary, it's needed. But if it's anything that I could change, maybe finding a different way to do it. We need to, our technology, technological advances, I can't say it because I'm congested, but <laughs> technology advances, say it like that, just needs to come a little faster so we can speak it and it can be in a system. We don't have to type nothing, we don't have to do, that would be so much better. If I could change Wouldn't that be it, brilliant? It would be, yeah. it would be amazing. It would make every site quarter's life easy, I'm sure. So uh, that may lead into the next question, or you may just 
do something different. Um, if you could pick a superpower, what would you choose? If I could pick a superpower, what? Oh my goodness! Oh, I mean, it could be the power to have your data just magically be entered for you, <laughs> or you can do something more fun. That might be it. The people in my life would be happy if my data could just be magically entered at a snap of my finger. <laughs> that would mm -hmm. be it right there. Well, it can be, you know, a little bit distracting from actually delivering, um, you know, the, the pieces of the program that are uh, deliverables versus recording the deliverables. Yeah. So I totally, I totally get it. You don't always go uh, into words exactly what <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. So is that what you would do? Would you have your data magically just entered for you as your I would. I would. That would be it right okay. there. Okay. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Well, um, with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. Uh, big thank you to you, Lachelle. Thank you so much for sharing your story, for keeping it real with us, for getting vulnerable, um, and for um, just taking the time. So thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. For more information on communities and schools of MidAmerica, please check out our website at cismidamerica.org. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media at cismidamerica. Thank you all so much for joining us on this episode of Letters from the Lunchroom. I am your host, Victoria Partridge, and until next time, class is dismissed.